If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. The scripture lesson this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, the first chapter, verses 68 through 79 under the heading, Zachariah's Prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant, David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus, he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before, all, before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Here ends this reading inspired by God. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. About the sermon title, don't make old people look bad. Let me be clear, I overheard one baby boomer say this to another baby boomer, both of whom are sitting somewhere here. <laughs> Which is to say, no millennials should be slandered in the retelling of the story. It was not our fault, for once. Don't make old people look bad. I bring it up because our Advent story includes some old people. In fact, Luke's version of Jesus' birth narrative includes an unusually high number of old people. Zachariah, who is credited as the author of today's scripture, is the first one named, but he came really close to making all of the other old people look bad. Let me explain. Luke 1, verses 68 through 79 is traditionally called the Benedictus, the Benedictus after the first word in the Latin translation. It's actually in the back of our hymnal, but I asked Clint to write us a new translation to sing. 
in part to reflect a more generous theology, but also in order to remind us that it is possible for us to sing a new song. Say that louder. <laughs> Amen, right, okay. It was a new song for Zachariah, to be sure, but per usual, we have to back up a few verses to get the whole story. Here's what we didn't read today. Zechariah was an old, childless priest married to a righteous woman named Elizabeth, who was another one of the women in the Bible who is described as barren. You remember from a few weeks ago that using barrenness as a way to describe Israel's political and religious situation is a very common motif in the Bible. Think Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah, and add Elizabeth to the roster. The text describes Zechariah and Elizabeth as getting on in years, which is delightfully polite, but also very clear. These folks are too old to be having a baby, which is a way of explaining that things are the way they are for Israel, and no one has any expectation of change. So the story goes that one day, as Zechariah was tending to his priestly duties while the whole assembly of the people was praying outside, the angel Gabriel appeared to him. Gabriel had some wild news for Zechariah. He said that Elizabeth would conceive a son to be named John, who would be filled with the Holy Spirit, turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Instead of receiving this news with humility and deference or even a little excitement, Zechariah expresses serious skepticism. Um, I'm old, the old kind of old, and so is my wife. This does not set well, with the angel who replies, come on, Zach, don't make old people look bad. It's a rough translation. Don't make old people look bad. And then to make sure that doesn't happen, he says that Zachariah will be mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Zachariah's lips were sealed. Gabriel didn't even give him a grace period in order to come out of the sanctuary to tell the people about the heavenly visitor and the news. For the next nine months, Zachariah couldn't speak. This is kind of a, a new trick for the divine, pushing the mute button on a human. It's a bit different than some of the other stories that involve humans receiving unexpected news. Sarah, a mother of our faith, had a similar experience to Zachariah's. Her response to overhearing a couple of angels say that she would have a baby in her old age was basically the same as Zachariah's, but, but God did not silence her, not even though she laughed, laughed at God. But for some reason, this is different. Lots of folks have wondered about this. Maybe God had a bad day or had skipped lunch and was hangry and then overreacted, even though Zachariah's response seems quite reasonable. But, of course, God does not work this way. So before we miss the story altogether, let me suggest that this time of silence is what makes Zachariah's song possible. 
What I really think happened is that Zachariah had become so comfortable with the story he told himself and what others said the world would always look like that he couldn't believe another story was even possible. Zachariah was a priest in a particularly tough moment in history. Scholars estimate that John the Baptist, and Jesus for that matter, were born just after the year 1 CE, close to the death of King Herod the Great, amid political turmoil and religious unrest. King Herod the Great's rule is considered one of the most bloody and paranoid, even by the standards of Hellenistic monarchies. Based on the extensive testimony of Josephus, it was a time of terrible violence, mass terror, and widespread surveillance that some have likened to the rule of Stalin. And there really wasn't an end in sight to the crisis. One might say that there was no Robert Mueller on which to pin their hopes. So a new story, a new ending, one in which the captives are set free, a story of liberation, a story of hope and a future. Well, there was no reason for Zachariah to think his life would ever change, that Elizabeth's life would ever not be in danger, that the situation of the people he worshiped with and lived alongside would ever be different. So when Zachariah says about getting a baby, how can this be so, we are old, he's really saying, how can this be so? about a new story, one in which the wisdom of the righteous is welcomed and relief is granted. It is in this context that Zechariah enters his enforced period of silence. As it became more and more obvious that Elizabeth was indeed going to have a baby, he couldn't say a word. He just had to receive it. When their cousin Mary knocked timidly on their front door, bearing news of her own baby, and when Elizabeth explained that the child in her womb leapt for joy at this news, he just had to take it in, just receive it. He was only able to watch as evidence that everything could change grew in the bodies of an old woman and a teenage girl. So perhaps this is an invitation for us as well an invitation to take opportunities to just zip it and receive a new story, a new understanding, a new beginning. If there was anyone who thought their story was the final version, it was Zachariah. But I know a few of us who are like that. Maybe it's, maybe it's you too. Someone who has an old story, a worn out story, but it's the only story you know Maybe your old story is that you're just one person who is doing their best, but it will never be enough. Or maybe for decades you've tried unsuccessfully to be straight and have resigned yourself to living in quiet desperation. Maybe, maybe it's a story of addiction that you aren't funny or clever or interesting without a few in you. Maybe it's the story that you are what you do, that your identity is your work, that it is the thing that makes you worthy and loved. Maybe the story is one unhealthy relationship after another, or the story is that you are the strong one, the steady one, the one who holds it all together so you can't show any cracks in the armor. Maybe the only reason it's your story 
is because that's what your mom did or how your dad acted, so it's your fate. We have a public story too, I'm sure you've heard it. America is on a path of division and violence from which we will not deviate. It's the story of every generation being spoken of as less good, less hardworking, less responsible, less everything than the one before. The story that there are fewer kind people in the world, that we're all going to hell in a handbasket. Last week, Robin called Advent upside-downness, and this is why we read about Zachariah now a story that shows us exactly how radical, how different, how unexpected the work of God is. In hearing this story, maybe we might stop and sit in the quiet of Advent, and we might begin to see where something else is possible. We might be able to see that not only is God up to something, but that we are up to the task. Something is waiting to be born then, now, and always, if we can remain open to the possibility. And this is really the story of Jesus, of God telling the world that a different story is possible, that God was, is, and will ever be up to something new, and be up to something new in ways we don't see coming, things we just can't perceive until we shut up for a while, and receive a new story. So I think this calls for a practice run, don't you? Let's, let's sit for a minute or so in solidarity with Zachariah. I mean, he's not the only one who needed a new story. Maybe it's our turn. So I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, although that can help sometimes. Um, don't be surprised if your instinct at some point is to look at your watch or to take out your phone but do resist the urge. We are so unused to sitting with ourselves and our own thoughts these days. No wonder we haven't been able to receive a new story. But, but maybe we can start today. So both feet on the floor. Sit up a little straighter. Deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Let the quiet begin. The silence, of course, is not the end of the story, not for Zachariah, not for us. His silence was a bit longer than ours, but perhaps the fact that he had no other choice but to quietly watch and listen for so long is what prepared him to burst forth in song when he was finally able to speak. And that's a real miracle, isn't it? That when Zachariah's tongue was loosed, he didn't use it to justify himself or defend his position or rehash the past. Having been silent and watchful and receptive, when Zachariah could finally speak again, he sang he prophesied, he spoke of hope and a future of social and personal redemption. Listen to those last lines again. 
By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. His speech is full of wonder and gratitude to be part of the work, and he becomes a prophet of a different story. Advent is indeed an invitation to upside downness, to silence, to watchful waiting, which gives us a chance to come out on the other side as prophets of a different story. And, and we can do a practice run for that too. So let's stand together and sing 119. been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Waukee, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.